Hi everyone. Hello. How is everybody doing? Welcome to another episode of the Nail Cutters. <laughs> I'm so excited to be back. As am I. Right? Okay, so what are we discussing today? So today we're discussing mindset. Mm-hmm. So mindset is such a huge topic. So we're going to try and, you know, tackle it in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, the best ways maybe we can go about this is starting from the very beginning, mm-hmm. the mindsets that we are brought up in and uh, things that we've had over the years, things that we've ended up believing, which have kind of gone into the actions that we carry out on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as you grow, you start to discover things on your own and you'd like to change your mindset and create a new mindset that works for you. Correct. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are on this topic. Oh, wow. Because this is a huge mountain to tackle. It really is. And I I don't know that one, two, three episodes are enough to adequately address all of this. (laughs) So I don't know. I, I think I'd like to take it from from the angle of um, things I was starting from when we were young, right? Yes. So this is going to be the way we are flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, things I was told about myself that I ultimately believed. Okay. So you know, from our formidable years as kids, a lot of the ideas we have are about ourselves are things we've been told by our aunties, our uncles, our parents. Oh, you're so cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're so smart. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're such a well-behaved child. <laughs> you know, all of those things. And they stick. They, they really stick. stick. They yeah. create an impression in, in, in your head about what kind of person you, you're meant, you're supposed to be on account of someone has declared you to be that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So as a child, I always had very many things. When I was really, really young, I used to be called a chatterbox. So the idea was I was one of those kids who once, you know, you came, I was the performing clown. Once you came to visit, I was the one who was sort of shunted to the, the, the living room to go and entertain the guests because really? I'm the chatterbox. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. You uh, learn something <laughs> new every day because I would never have guests. I know. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was always my role to sort of be the circus clown, right? Come and entertain everybody simply because I did it once. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, you know, your daughter is such a chatterbox. Oh, she made me so happy. So now I became, you know, dress her up and then send her to the living room while everybody else. And you're just over there (laughs) trying to recreate. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Wow. And you know what? Um, It was pressure. And yes, I was a kid. So yes, while it was nice to have the the attention, It was not necessarily in line of the with the kind of person that I am perhaps today, right? Right, and I'm sure sometimes it was uncomfortable. It, probably. Yes, exactly. And they keep pushing you. Yes, oh, do you can do it because you Correct. did it the other time. Yes, you have to do it again. I remember we uh, we went for a wedding sometime, and I was with my mom, and I was now getting to that place where I consider myself to be very introverted. So I was now getting to that place where I was. I was sort of holding back in it's it's odd because yes i can be very chatty with people i'm comfortable with mm-hmm. but i do require moments where i you know yeah. so we go for this wedding and my mom is busy 
you know, she's pushing me to go and, you know, greet everybody and entertain everyone. And I really was not in that space. And it was, yes, it was super uncomfortable, but I was required to perform. It became like a performance thing. Yeah. yeah? So when aunties and cop would come and pinch my cheeks, oh, the chatterbox, like, ah. So, you know, that was one of those things when I was a kid. I realized I was required to be to, to perform in front of people, right? Put on this persona of a person who's always excited and always happy to see you and always has a story to tell you and find a way to tell the story. And yes, and uh, just, you know, um, always sort of be performing. So I, uh, that was one of those ideas that I had. I, I didn't quite, I don't think I enjoyed it for too long. Because the the moment I was given the, the chance to go and retreat into my corner, I'll be the very first one <laughs> running in there. And I'm sure you would stay there for quite a bit because you kind yes. of need to recharge. Yes, exactly. And you know, go. Goodness. Yes, I can only imagine. So I, I recall that that one quite well. But also, what I remember is now from the angle of school, I was always considered to be. Um, you know, the, the, the one of the, the better performing kids. Um, Smart, just say it. Right? Just yeah, but it. also t- teacher's pet kind of thing, right? You know the problem with the disadvantage with being the teacher's pet is that you are not allowed to try to be um, childish. You're not allowed to be childish even when you're a child. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they put all this expectation on you of, or you know, your socks are always pulled up and they're always clean and the uniform has to be clean. So while all of your friends are busy out there playing quipping and, and stuff, no, no, you have, you already have this impression that has been created about the kind of person that you are, right? Totally and you have to maintain it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're supposed to walk with a certain level of grace and a certain level of all of these ideas that have been, you know, made to, to, to shape you, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying these are necessarily bad things. It's just that, you know, there's always a trade-off for everything that we, we do in our lives, right? So maybe the people who, while I did have a very nice, enjoyable childhood, um, I grew up with fantastic neighbors and we had a really good time. In school, I was right from a very young age, I was required to be, you know, always being put in leadership roles yes. and always being put as the model, whatever it is. So while other people are playing hooky, like that, that's not your story, right? <laughs> and guess what that does? You're the teacher's favorite and you're kind of like an enemy to the rest Correct, of the Correct. Because, because you're like, ooh, yes, teacher's Yes, you're stuck up and all that. <laughs> yep. So yeah, yeah that's, that's so some of the early things that, you know, sort of have played a big role in, in shaping me um, as I am today. Yeah. There's always that idea about secretly, there's some things I will not let myself be seen doing because <laughs> you've created precedent. Eh? Yeah. You're this person. You've yeah. been this person for so long. So, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so what are you saying? That now you dance on tables? Like your time came and it passed and you never seized it. So, um, yeah. So that, that whole idea that I was required to remain consistent for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and we all in all of our lives we always play to an audience right yeah. i feel um i or at least i feel i have always played to an audience 
and my audience was tailored in such a way that um, they saw me as sort of like a paragon, right? I was always forced into the spaces, and I'm putting this in air quotes, mm -hmm. into the spaces where I was supposed to be the best version of the thing I was supposed to be representing, right? So the quietest in class or the, um, the, 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 the most um, uh, respectful, the best behaved, the, the, you know, the, the, the smartest, it, it was always, I was always playing to an audience, um, sort of not being given the opportunity to, as in be just, just sometimes just, mask yes, yes, and yes. Just, you know, yes. be free and just be a child. And yes. Just do uh, things that would naturally come to you without trying to please anybody. Correct. Oh, so yes, it, those were some of those things mm -hmm. that because they were enforced in, in speech shared with me or in people who I looked up to or whose opinions I really, you know, required for my validation yeah. as a child, uh, when they told me, oh, you know, you're so smart. I, I needed mm -hmm. that affirmation consistently, right? Mm -hmm. So then I would do everything I needed to do that. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're, you're such a good girl. I remember actually that there's a time, while, now this is while I was in, in Compass, someone uh, was uh, describing me and she described me as pleasant. And I felt like I had been slapped in the face. Oh my God. And I'll tell you why. Because I realized, <laughs> yes, I was pleasant. And pleasant was such, it, it, it just came off to me. In that moment, it was like a trigger. It was, it was like saying, you have absolutely no discernible personality you are just exactly the amount of tepid water that I require. That is what I had. I don't know. It was one of those days that I actually oh, thought about it. I was like, wait. So my car, because I've built my character, you know, from based on all of these things that I have been conditioned to believe about myself, yeah. the attitude I've adopted now, where my mind is in terms of how I'm supposed to behave as a, a human being, as a person, I'm pleasant. I'm not outstanding i am not um bad mannered i'm not there's no pleasant is the word you use when you're thinking like hmm uh, you know what i mean oh my god no when you the way you <laughs> painted that picture because pleasant isn't a bad thing mm -mm. but just the context in which you described yes. it it sounds so horrible i know <laughs> i know in that moment I, I it almost felt to me like i'd been told i am characterless yes. yeah because yeah. you know when you have those people who are just so much trouble, mm. right? Um, or those people who are just really excitable. I was never too extreme of anything. I was mm. just the just right balance. The, ah, I hate the word. And yeah. it's weird. It's such a good word. I hate it. <laughs> so yes, and I feel like this came as a result of conditioning. Yeah. You know, and I accepted this conditioning. I'm not saying that I had a bad childhood or anything. No, no, no. Yeah. I had a totally. wonderfully amazing childhood. I was, I was encouraged. I was, I was mm -hmm. loved. I was forced. I grew up in a family. But I, I was also conditioned to be certain things for people to be yeah. an easy person to manage. I was, mm -hmm. I was an easy child to manage. I was no trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I did everything I could to, to become that person. So what about you? So I have a feeling like that point of mm. pleasantness when that person said that, Aye. you were probably in a place of shifting. 
I think you so. Sick, you were kind of sick and tired of, of being that, that person of yes. yourself. Yes. And you were ready to transition into the next. Yes. So I think that's why it hit you in that way. Kind I of did. to push you out of your comfort zone. I think so. so. I think so. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. When, you, when you see that like that, you're like, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. It, it happened for a reason. Makes sense. Sadly, it's always like, I don't know why these things come to us in kind of retrospect. I know. In the moment, mm-hmm. you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And if anything, you fight it. You, you start trying to fight the idea of being pleasant. Yes. And yet all you need to do is just make a small shift yeah. into being awesome. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Wow. What about you? From early earliest experience with um, you know mindset and and yeah. things you were told and ideas of yourself. I think my earliest and this is very interesting because it's the complete o- opposite of yours. Mm. So I think my my earliest childhood memory um, was maybe when I was about seven years old. And now for me, it ended up, it has ended up being the, what can I call it? My biggest insecurity and which was me thinking that I wasn't smart enough. Mm. And how it came about is, okay, let me talk about my, how I grew up. So I don't know if you've heard of like the middle child syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) There are certain things that I used not to believe are actually things until you kind of start to see patterns and you're like, okay, you know what? This is actually a thing. Mm. You might not believe it religiously, but then you see certain patterns and you're like, oh my God, I actually have middle child syndrome. So of course, you know, the first born gets all the attention. Mm. The second born, especially if it's a, my our first born in the family was a girl. Mm. So she got all the attention, all the love. The next was a boy. So, of course, it's a new experience. Yes. So, you also get all yes. the love. Yeah. So, then little old Nina comes. <laughs> and there were, I think, two. Yeah, we, we each have two years between us. Mm. So, I come third. And then I, I have my little sister coming right after me. So, growing up, I remember always wanting to be the center of attention. Always. Like, mm. I was always trying to get attention because my older sister was the older sister. My little sister was the princess. Mm, now mm. I was the previous princess. <laughs> so I was always like kind of trying to fight to find my place. Mm. So in, in doing that, I was extra in everything. Mm. I spoke extra loud. Um, I think when it came to dressing up, I was always trying to do something to stand out uh, when we went out to visit or to, you know, going out, I was always doing something extra, yeah. running around, causing trouble. I remember there was a phase in my life where I was allergic. Actually, this one is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger, I used to be allergic to God's meat. And every time we had an occasion of, of um, people coming over to the house or going out for parties or whatever obviously there has to be meat right yeah and i was very much aware that i was allergic to god's meat but guess what nina would do you'd be the first one i would eat it 
anyway. And of course, I would break out into this, you know, in hives and my body would swell. And in the beginning, I think I did it innocently. And then I noticed that every time I get my allergic reaction, I get all this this attention. Mm -hmm. So I would would deliberately eat the meat so that the party would shut down. The party would now be. Yeah. 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 So, and being a child, you don't really think about it like that. Mm. But when you're older, you're like, okay, what are the things that I that I do? You start noticing things about yourself. Yeah. And when I noticed it, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I was shook. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And I think that God wants to be part of our conversation. <laughs> Mia, shut up. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I think that's one of the earliest memories. And then another significant one was, um, especially, so that was about being trying to get attention and just wanting to be seen. Mm. And then when it comes to me feeling that I really wasn't smart enough, mm. um, I was, um, yeah, when I was seven years old, like I said, this is a primary school. This is SP2. Um, I managed to repeat P2. P2, you're seven years old. What are you learning in school? You're still <laughs> learning how to count. You don't, you're not really doing math. You're not really doing any, any deep academic work. Mm. And I didn't do well and I was forced to repeat. And I remember that was so devastating for me. Mm-hmm. But as a child, you you really don't have the luxury to sit and whine. For some reason, I felt like I had to, you know, put on an act and make friends as quickly as po- I possibly could, get over that embarrassment and just move on with life. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of affected me in a way because when you repeat a class, automatically you're like, okay, my friends have moved ahead. And you know, kids can be cruel. Kids can be cruel. Oh, yeah. Funny enough, I don't remember having um, an experience where maybe a teacher told me, oh, you're, you're not smart, or kids teased me. I don't remember that ever happening. I just remember just feeling it within myself that, oh my God, you, you failed. But now, um, let me see, four years later, I'm in P6. And this time, I, I, oh, I didn't perform well, but I was, I was promoted to the next class. But the recommendation from, from my teacher was she should repeat the class because she didn't do well enough. Now, that one was more painful because I had a choice. And I remember my mom and I walking into the headmistress office. And of course, my mom wanted to ask for advice. She was like, should my child repeat the class or should she go ahead despite the fact that she didn't do the class well Mm. in the first place? So I think her intention in going to see the headmistress was to ask for her advice. Right. Uh, No one asked me what I thought. Well, you are a child in this here place. Who's asking you? We thank you very much. So I just remember entering the headmistress office 
and she takes one look at me. She walks up to me. She touches my breasts. And she's like, oh, no, she's still young. She looks young. She can repeat the class. Mm. And I think, like, I kind of switched off at that moment. Mm. And I don't remember what, how the conversation ended, but we also had to go and, and see the head teacher of the class that I was supposed to be in. This was primary six. Yeah. So we go to see the, the head teacher. And she, I think she was a little bit more wiser because she gave me the choice. Mm. She was like, um, well, you've seen your report. You've seen the recommendation. Mm. So it's up to you. You can choose whether you want to go to the next class and maybe put in more effort or you can decide to repeat the class because you didn't do it well. And that's where I find that, that when I think about it now, I find that experience really interesting because now thinking back, I'm trying to think about uh, 11, 12-year-old me now, what I was thinking in that moment mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I chose to repeat the class. Okay. And now thinking back, I just remember walking into that class and seeing all my friends, I was already embarrassed. Mm. And in my mind, I was like, okay, you have a choice to be promoted to this class, but all your classmates think that you're dumb. Yeah. So you either be in that environment or you can repeat a class mm. and join a new group of kids and then you can prove yourself in that class. I think yeah. that's how I was thinking about it. Yeah. So I ended that up- That was actually quite brave. I don't know if it was brave. After I, you know, you can't, I question that decision, mm. but hey, like you can never know what could have happened if I had stayed mm. in, in my class. You, you can never know, it's just, it's a choice that I made. We might never and have I, met. <gasps> <laughs> The horror. Right? <laughs> I made the right choice. I made the right, the nail cutter would never have happened. Okay, now that you say it like that, mm -hmm. clearly. <laughs> I could have been, anyway, anyway, mm. I digress. Mm. Yeah, so I think those two memories kind of shaped my earlier mindset mm. because I chose to repeat the class. And of course, by now, my little sister, I catch my little sister catches up with me. Mm -hmm. So now we're in the same class and she is brilliant. Mm -hmm. So I also had to, I had to be comfortable or realize that I'm going to be compared to her for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. But funny enough, that did that did happen. She was obviously at the top of the class. I wasn't, I think after that second re, uh, that second experience of repeating a class, I remember promising myself that this would never happen again. This was the last class I was going to repeat mm. and I was going to do whatever I could to make sure that that doesn't happen. So I really, I wasn't at the bottom of the class. At the same time, I wasn't up there. I was just in the middle. Mm. And for me, that was okay. As long as I don't repeat a class again. That was my main thing. Yeah. So that being said, um, I think that line of thought continued all through high school. 
And I remember all through high school, the weird thing is that I just remember putting in enough effort not to fail, yeah. but not enough to be excellent. Yeah. Because first of all, I didn't think I could. I didn't think I was smart enough, but I also knew that I wasn't going to be dumb enough. So I also found my sweet middle spot in there. And that's basically how I made it through school. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's my mindset. I don't what what can I call that my kind of mindset? So when I was doing research for this podcast, I came across a concept called uh, there's a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. So now thinking about it now, I believe I was in a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. So a fixed mindset is whereby you think that the way you are is the way things are, Yeah, is the way you were born. Mm. You can't help it. Mm. That's just how I am. I think you've heard people say, that's just who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just how I do things. Mm. That's just how it is. Yeah. So I think go, looking back now, I was very much so in the fixed mindset. Mm. And to the, to the point where I was so scared mm. of, putting in effort Mm. because I was scared to fail. Mm. So I ended up just creating my own bubble where I was just good enough not to fail, but also not excellent enough that I would jeopardize any trauma that would come from failing or not doing something that I had put effort in. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious to, to, to see how, we take this conversation forward into our teen years. Oh. Because a lot Ooh. happens to young girls. <laughs> yes, it does. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to see how, you know, some of the ideologies you had about yourself as a child carried forward or changed yeah. as you grew, you know, you, you, um, you got into your teenage. Yeah. You see, for me, while I did, you know, I let you know that I had been conditioned to believe I was this, you know, princess who, you know, um, could do no wrong. Mm. I found my foundation shaken quite literally, you know, um, once I transitioned from a, a, a preteen, you know, leaving primary school, going into secondary school. Mm. Um, it was a very interesting transition a lot of the ideas now i was beginning to form opinions of myself okay right. moving from the opinions others had given me of who i was mm-hmm. now i was beginning to form these ideas about myself but i was forming them in the context of the the i i went to all girls secondary schools uh, in my early teenage years so uh, i went to an all girls secondary school one of you know uh, the primo you know institutions in this country and it can it came with dynamics yeah it came with dynamics where you know of course there were things like clicks they're young girls they're they're forming identities our bodies are growing as we are shifting yeah and suddenly everybody wants to fit inside of a world inside of a box so you had the clicks of the pretty girls and the ones of the smart girls mm. and the girls from you know wealthy families oh, yes. and those just the, 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 the very saved girls 
you know, there was, there was just always context. You know, you had to be a part of a family. Right. But the thing was for me that certain things had happened in my childhood that had sort of forced me early on to be a very independent and mm. autonomous entity. I feel right? you. I feel you. So I, I had learned, and I'm for this one, I'm really grateful. I learned from an early age how to be Erina, an individual, not Erina, the part of the gang or the group or the, you know. Mm. So for my, my, between the ages of 13 to 17, mm-hmm. I really struggled inside of school because I just never fit. I never fit inside of any box. Yeah. I was not one of anyone, not the smart girls, not the pretty girls, not the rich girls, not the, you know, nothing. I just never quite fit. Yeah. I was always on the outside looking in. And the fact that I was introverted and I sort of had embraced this role, um, this aspect of myself early on Mm -hmm. as a result of, you know, the circumstances I had mentioned earlier, where my, you know, my family dynamic had sort of changed somewhat and had pushed me to a place where I needed to sort of mature a little faster. Yes. And so now I, I come into the school where, you know, like I said, Primo's institution, you had the best of the best in there, right? Mm-hmm. And suddenly, Erina, who used to be the best in her small pond, is now just another person in, you know, just another. In the wide yes. pool of best. <laughs> yes, best. correct. <laughs> and in that one, if you were not really punching oh, upwards, right? Yes. Oh, God. And, and I had not been had not ever felt the need to, or the, the life I had lived before had never required me to claw myself mm-hmm. upwards, mm-hmm. okay? I recognized certain behavior in some of my peers that used to leave me really shocked. <laughs> Some things were just really outright shocking for me. Yeah. I just knew that I did not fit. For four years, I felt like I did not fit. I knew I was in the, one of the top one schools. I had wanted to come to the school. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I was, I came as a sickly child, right? So I was asthmatic. I was, um, I was odd. I was an odd child. I loved reading novels. Like I love reading novels. I, not quite books, right? Yes. But I loved, I had, Huge yes, I had this, this wild imagination. And so yeah. I would immerse myself in a novel and just, just go there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was perfectly okay with there being ambient sounds on the side. I just don't involve me into it. Yeah. I was a person who everybody felt comfortable coming to and telling all their problems, their boy problems, their family problems and I was the one who they'd asked to write their love letters to their people and you know and and the irony is I just was not that person I was not very and I maybe I went through a socially awkward stage as well I did not like the way my body was growing I and and I also did not fit I I was I was again I was always a bit odd I talked different Mm -hmm. I I the ideas I had seemed like Ah, why don't you talk about boys? Why don't you talk about, you know? (laughs) Yes. And there was never quite a family that was emo enough for me or odd enough for me to be a part of. Yeah. And it's really funny that she would say that because 
the kind of school that you went to, you'd imagine that you're going to find like-minded people. Correct. But clearly, it wasn't the case. It was not the case. Or, or I just didn't try hard enough, maybe? No, honestly, I feel like because the way you've described your childhood, mm. as much as you were that person, mm. I feel like you were kind of, because you were exposed or pushed so hard in the beginning, mm. even in school, you were kind of a little bit ahead. Mm. Mm. So while people were still um, just having their maybe their first experience in trying to, you know, like be pleasing or being the teacher's pet yeah you had already gone had through done that. that yeah so you were very happy to kind of create your own world mm. and just let everything else happen around you maybe maybe so I, I just know that for a very long time and for four years i felt like a, a duck you know a fish out of water really mm. i was not finding my safe space. So yes, there were one or two people. I did make some very good friends. Yeah. People who were as different as I was, yeah. right? But we loved being different separately. Like, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Not like, okay, let's form a, form a band of, 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 yes, yeah. you know? It is but I will tell you this, that I went, when I was about 15, I went through a phase. That's an, an age that many girls go through. Mm. We're rebellious. If we are going through that, excuse me, I know my own mind kind of place. <laughs> and I remember I, I started hanging out with this group of, of popular girls, mm-hmm. right? And you know that ironic thing we have, that stereotypical popular girl you've seen in the movies, yeah. you know, she loves to hate everyone and everyone loves to hate her kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And well. I found myself hanging out with these girls who, you know, they came from quite wealthy families and they were just, they were just, just, you know, they, they had the a queen thing. Queen bees. Yes. And I recall I did all that, that lasted for all of, um, well, not more than a year to be fair. Yeah. But I, 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 some of the things that, you know, we used to get up to and the things we used to, conversations we used to have, it was a boarding school, what were we going to get up to, right? Mm-hmm. But some of the conversations we used to have, when I reflect on them now, you know, yes, I chuckle now, but there was a time when I used to cringe, when I'd be like, oh, I was that person. But I'll tell you what happened. So we used to have these things called uh, visiting days, where so our parents would come over to see, you know, us in boarding school on a yeah, designated day. Weekend, yeah. Yes, bring bring us uh, grub, which, you know, snacks and stuff for us to, to, to keep, right? And um, there was this one particular, it, it's a, it, one of those defining moments for me, you know, I keep on telling you about, I've had all of these defining moments in my, in my you know, my character development journey. Yeah. And um, this girl was one of the welfare children. She was being, she was a sponsored child. So she came from a, a disadvantaged background, right? And her, her mother uh, comes to school with, I'm trying to use, terms that people everyone will understand she comes to school in a in a gomesi gomesi is a, a traditional um you know a traditional dress uh for a certain you know group of people in this country and she's where she's holding a, a bag one of those market bags eh? the ones we call kikapu they're made out of 
Saiso. Uh, yes. And, you know, in that time, at that age, we all had this idea of, oh my God, that's a sim- like, you're poor. Like, and, and again, we were all about, I yes, exactly. It was sort of definition of being a peasant is only a chikapo and, and wearing a gomasi to come to, to this school to visit. But this was a, a very defining moment for me. One of these girls who I consider to be one of my close friends in at that time, you know, that age, 15, 16, says something along the lines of, ew, my jewelry is more expensive than her entire outfit. Nina, I can't tell you how much, I don't know what it was that broke me in that moment. I remember actually having this conversation in my head like, Erina, you're this person now. Because we we are the people we hung out with, right? Absolutely. And I'm thinking, oh my God, it just sort of clicked like, wait, so I just you've just said that. No, like I had someone, a friend of mine yeah. just said this. You might as well have I might you. as well have said yeah. it, yes. Mm. Because I'm here, I'm I'm supporting, right? I'm yeah. one of the peers, so I'm peer reviewing this this this, this message and approving it. And I remember it broke me because I remember thinking, if anybody said that about my mother, I don't care how rich you are, you have no right to say anything about anybody's mother. I would be taking off my earrings. Like and rolling up sleeves and sleeves yes, we are going to, to yes. punch someone in the face. That was the day that I properly dissociated myself. Mm? from this group of friends of mine. And I don't believe that they remember it at all. Because for them, it, if, for all of us, it was one of us, we all ch- we all laughed, right? Yes. After all, we all come from a place of some level of affluence, right? As if it was us, really. We, we're just, you know, kids living on transferred income from First our of all, I'm thinking in my head, what kind of jewelry was this girl wearing? Because so, you know, we used to have, no, no, like, so, you know, we were having jewelry. this, 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 so uh, what we call sosh. So it was we were uh, going to go out, okay. um, right. go out dancing with another bo- with a boys' school, mm-hmm. and so you know we'd all gone and bought our, our stuff. And okay. so this girl's argument was her, her jewelry had been bought from South Africa, and okay, don't judge me. Oh it was the times, right? But <sighs> I do recall that something about that statement broke me because I recognized that everybody has the right to do their best. And not be judged for it simply because my best is not good enough for you does not mean i'm doing my best right but also who are you that you can go and judge somebody's mother based on what money yeah it broke me yeah. i recall i intentionally pulled myself away from this group and yes they let me go it was easy we were, our friendships were easy come easy go kind mm-hmm. of thing right mm-hmm. now you're in now you're out kind of thing and I recognize in in, the, in myself that, yes, so this thing I had about myself where I never quite fit in a group, while earlier I had thought of it as a disadvantage, suddenly it was me demonstrating or identifying an aspect of myself that I am in an autonomous, independent, sentient being, and I don't have to belong um, inside of a clique, okay? Yeah. That it was important for me that my friendships or my relationships be healthy ones, and that they be run under the baseline of kindness. I've told you this before, that yeah. I base all of my relationships with, on kindness, kindness. right? Yeah. 
And that for me, it, it was one of those ones, defining moments. So suddenly something that I had thought of as a weakness before, suddenly was like the superpower. It was a strength that, listen, yeah. you can't, you, you're good all by yourself. So that, that one is one of those things I remember vividly. Yeah. And I think going back to that idea you had about fixed versus growth mindsets, mm. I, I moved the same idea from it being fixed to how do I grow this? you know and make it better how do i make this a better version not to close myself off of people entirely and leave yes but then to understand to learn how to to use ideas of empathy Mm -hmm. and like i said kindness in all of my relationships that if a relation if 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 a certain society i'm being forced into is not fostering the ideals that i believe in Mm -hmm then it's not for me and it's okay for me to walk away from from that. It it was a big growth moment for me. What about you? You've touched on so many things. And when when you talk about that that moment where you just decided to walk away from those friends, clearly a line had been crossed Mm -hmm. in terms of like, just the way you were brought up. Mm -hmm. I think some of these things that kind of help us change or to make those shifts go back to the core of who we are yeah yeah. so you probably grow up in an environment where you just do not disrespect other people there are certain lines yeah you don't cross Mm. and you know being kids it's fine to do those things like it's you can't really say someone is evil correct yes of the things that they said it's just maybe that person kids their parents say say stuff like that all the time right yeah but what changes it is that for you what happened is that oh my god hell no Mm -hmm. no one is going to disrespect another human being in my presence and Mm -hmm. i'm going to just stay and it's going to be okay Mm -hmm. so you removed yourself and not many people do that sometimes people will continue in that toxic environment and you know how they say people can do a 180 Mm. someone grows up in this very respectable family and then they grow up into this idiot (laughs) or human beings and you're like you look at their family you look at them you look at their background you look at them and you're like these two things do not match Mm. and it's because in situations like that where you could have made a choice to remember where you came from like you talked about in our previous yeah podcast yeah and then you just take on this identity of a a person that at one point you will wake up and be like i can't recognize myself but you have to also attribute this to the influence of peer pressure there's something that happens inside of group thing oh my god we all just become idiots (laughs) (laughs) it's the most amazing thing Totally. You just need the the alpha in the group to establish a baseline. And then suddenly you will laugh at all those jokes, regardless of whether you find them funny or not. I'm sure in that moment, because we were a group of girls, we're about six or seven. Mm -hmm. I'm sure in that moment, I was not the only one who was uncomfortable. Definitely. But then I may have been the only one who took a radical stance, Mm -hmm. right? And extracted myself from the the group. Because I realized this is not an isolated incident, right? We've been talking like this. I've also probably said things, yeah. right? At mm-hmm. some point, which if I start thinking about right now, I will not. You just puke <laughs> yeah. in your mouth. 
but there is something about peer pressure. Yeah. It's like we always strive to make each other worse collectively. Like oh. <laughs> yeah, the more shocking, the better. better. Mm. It's and you don't want to odd. be the one to break. You don't want to be the one sticking out. Correct. And also being like the judgmental. Yeah. One. You want to. You just want to fit in nicely. And you know, please everybody. We have to do an episode on peer pressure because it's a whole. We do, thing. we do, we do. Because people do get ident. I mean, c- come up with ideas and mindsets inside of groupthink. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like I was telling you about this whole cliques that were being that were formed. These girls genuinely began to believe themselves these things. So the ones who believe themselves to be the, the, the clever girls, right? Yeah. Ironically, they may have pushed each other. In the direction to make themselves perform better. Be Correct. If you are the, the bright girls, please be don't be present. Yes. Don't, don't if be you're the gossips, come on now. You have to bring the tea. If you're the gospel girl, please praise Jesus exactly. as loud as you can. Yes. Pull out that church skirt that you know falls right below the girl all the way to your toes. Do yes. It and yes. Do it well. Correct. Yeah. So they, I think they, they also shape our mindsets a bit in there. They do. And if you're lucky to co- continue your friendships into adulthood, I don't believe people change, yeah, right? You just either. grow, but you don't change. And, uh, like you can sit and look back and laugh. Yes. And yes. You, you'll be shocked. Correct. Would you say you enjoyed high school? Um, your high school experience. Um, I am of two minds on that response. <laughs> I enjoyed my high school from the time I was uh, 17, 18, yeah. meaning my A-levels, mm. very much. I hated my O-levels, and I hope my parents never hear this. Yeah. I went to, like, like I said, there was something about my school. I'm not denigrating the school. It remains one of the, the top mm. schools, but I can tell you for a fact that Perhaps it was not for me. Yeah. Um, Actually, I would like to know because in the beginning, in your O-levels, mm-hmm. you went to an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how different, and in your A-levels, you went to a mixed, a mixed school, school with both with boys and girls. Correct, yes. So I'd like to hear your how different those two experiences were. Did you kind of stay the same person? Or did you also, did you... Did you find a change in in the different environment? So this is this is um, what I learned from my experiences. To give you some more context, in my primary school, from about P five to P seven, I had to go to an all girls school as well, mm-hmm. and it was a very religious institution, and I was not that religion, so it was the experience was a bit rough for me. It did mold me quite significantly because. It was a school where punishment was considered penance. You understand? Mm-hmm. Huh? You were conditioned to be beaten and, and, and things like that. Again, it was the times. So when I come to another girls' school, mm-hmm. uh, so my preteens to my early teens, I am in all girls' schools. Yeah. I come to this other school, and it was now the right, again, it was a, reg- a religious institution as well. But now my religion, I thought it would be a lot easier. But then I've told you that the dynamics that I had, most of my challenges in school were growing pains. I hated the way my body was changing. I hated I didn't fit in a class. I didn't fit in the right groups. I was just, not, I was not a teacher's pet anymore. I was just that person who sort of blended into the world perfectly. 
again, going back to that pleasant business. But I was I was not I did not know how to condition myself. Yeah. Now I grew up at, at a young age, I grew up in a town away from the capital city, right? Mm-hmm. So when I came to uh, the my um high school, most of the people knew each other, or they'd come from schools where they knew each other before. Mm-hmm. I came from a super religious background. So when I came here, I didn't know people. So everything was a new experience for me. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I, I did not like it too much was it, it, I did not, the summary, the short version is I did not like people. I thought the girls were trained to be mean. Yeah. I thought people were mean mm-hmm. and I had not grown up in the context of mean. Yeah. I grew up in a place where everything was corrected in love, <laughs> you know, mm. and, and 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 friendships were built on genuine friendships of we climb trees together yeah. and we, we we fall down and pick each other up. But I came into this place of stabbing each other and and and, and all of that. I just thought it was mean, mm-hmm. and I was de- I was shown in that space that I was not enough. Okay, so my first. The, my years, my early years in, in, in boarding school girls segment was I was not enough. I needed to be, to blend. I was not woman enough. Yeah? Woman I, enough. Woman in enough meaning, school. yes, you, you know how, think about the school I'm talking about, right? Oh, okay. You come oh, from the, God, you yes. have to walk a certain way, oh, talk child. a certain way, you have to know how to do certain mm-hmm. things. Yeah? Because they, it was a school that bred genteel ladies or backstabbing um, um, Let's just leave it there for now. Yeah, but <laughs> I was not enough. Yeah. yeah. I got to this you mixed school. Yes. And if, oh, I was treated that way. I was mm. ignorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was ignorable, really. Uh, I was not anyone who anyone would waste two minutes looking at in any direction because I did not try hard enough to fit into any specific category. Yeah. I come to this boarding this school, this mixed school, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is one of those ones where, like, if you go in there, everyone assumes, oi. <laughs> Cash money. But let me tell you what I loved about the experience. Yeah. My A-level school mm-hmm. had a very strange feel. Everyone assumed that simply because you're here, you fit. It was one click for everybody. Every Do you understand? It was awesome. It was awesome. Opinion. So you could you could be whatever you are, and there was a space for you. Right. Inside of one general, there was no there were no segments. There were no. You didn't have to try to fit in. You just fit. The moment mm-hmm. you've entered the school, you fit. Right. Yeah. And so I could be as eccentric as as odd because there was someone like me. Right. And everyone was trying, everyone was being themselves. Yeah. Individuality was allowed in my A-level. Yeah. And I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Because then we had all of these characters. I remember this one guy whose accent was just, it was ridiculous. Like, he came from deep, deep like, you know? And there was a space and for him. And he was a superstar. He was a superstar. He was like, yes. Like there was a space for everyone, the argumentative, the happy, the loud, the quiet. The, the, there was a space for everyone. Yeah. That gave me an opportunity to be yourself. Myself. Completely. 
and to recognize I was enough as myself yes. in that moment. Yeah. Because earlier, I had not been given that. Mm-hmm. Earlier, I needed to work hard to claw my way into a group. Yeah. But now the group said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a spot for you here. There's a spot for someone else. Mm-hmm. There was something for everyone. Yeah. It, it, it revolutionized the way I viewed education. Suddenly, my grades... Okay, again, giving the context, the grades started going back up, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, I, I was allowed to, I, I did the very co- odd combination in, in A-level mm-hmm. of both arts and sciences, which was not usual, yeah. but I was allowed to do it. It allowed me to be my individual self, and for that, I'm really grateful, mm-hmm. despite all the other things that the school may have been. <laughs> So yes, I loved, I loved yeah, my, my A-level. Yeah, yeah. Very I, much. I totally agree. Yeah, what about you? Me, let me see. Teenagehood. <laughs> the worst, um, huh? <laughs> you know, funny enough, I think, I think I actually blocked out a lot of my teenage years. Mm. I don't know why. But I have, I have gaps. Mm. I have gaps when I don't really quite remember what I was doing, especially like between S1 and S1 and S, maybe S4, kind of the same as you, my my O-level. My O-level is very blurry. Mm. And I guess it's because I was a little bit all over the place. I went to... For high school, <laughs> in high school. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I started on four years. You went four school, years. Can I imagine. Mm-hmm. So I went to, I went to a day school right out of primary school. Mm-hmm. I did not want to go to a boarding school. I don't even remember. I don't remember because it was just natural that the moment you're done with primary school, you look for uh, a secondary school that was a boarding school. It was just the way things were. I think day schools were kind of new. Mm. Day day high schools were kind of were they? I'm not sure. I don't know. I feel like they've been around. They've bit. kind of been around, but they were we they, sort of frowned upon them. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Day schools yeah. were kind of like for kids that maybe you can't control or parents mm. were scared to let out. Yes, yes, yes. Um or kids that maybe were spoiled. Or sent or, away from their boarding school. Or se- exactly, sent yeah. away from their boarding school. Yeah. Or just needed some sort of special, special supervision. Yeah. And I actually went to a school that was very popular for sending kids <laughs> out of these high-profile boarding schools. Mm. And they would come to this day school to maybe be rehabilitated. <laughs> Um, so that was my high school, mm. and uh, it was, it was, it was a bit strict. It was a strict high school, and what I remember about it is, we were about fifteen kids in my class, which is very rare because most times in a class you're probably about a hundred mm, mm, mm. upwards my class had 15 
students. Mm. So every single person, you could not hide. Yeah. You had to be who you are mm. and you would stand out mm. just from the fact that you were, we were 15 students. So me trying to hide behind, um, because I think when, when I discovered that I wasn't, when I thought I wasn't smart enough, I started trying to look for my place. Mm. So I went into drama. I went into, I used to also love to read and write. I would write, um, enter into writing and reading competitions. I loved English. I loved literature. So I was in, I remember in, in primary school, there was, you had the first term, which was kind of like an introductory term where you just focus on what you're going to do the rest of the year. Then we had second term that was dedicated to the arts, art, music, dance, and drama, and things like that. And then third term was the academics where you're studying for your exam to pass, to go to the next class. And I remember second term for me was like heaven because it was all about arts. Yes, that was my shining place. I could, you know, be dramatic, and I could, I could express myself uh, when it came to being a creative individual. Right. So this uh, went, kind of started my journey in high school mm-hmm. and I took it up from there.